Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Friday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Headed into a big night of high school basketball. We've got New Albany at Providence on this Friday evening here on the Big X. And a big IU game coming up on Saturday as well. And Romeo Langford has been traded. It happened yesterday afternoon. I had kind of been wondering in the back of my mind with the NBA line, deadline, trade deadline, let me get that out right, looming if it was a possibility because, you know, Romeo's time for the Celtics, his opportunities to contribute has really, really decreased in recent months, really since the holidays coming into the first of the year. And you just wonder what's going on. He's had a pretty good season until that point. He had been pretty consistently getting bench minutes at times with injuries and COVID issues. He got lots of minutes for the Celtics and got the opportunity to start a few times. And I felt like held his own, whether it was from a defensive end of things or, you know, scoring some points as well, doing some things on offense. But he has been traded to the San Antonio Spurs. I I know nothing about the Spurs. I know nothing about the deal. But what I will tell you is it sure looks like from a distance, uh, if you look at this San Antonio team, that there are a lot more opportunities for playing time there as opposed to Boston. So we'll talk about that coming up here in the first segment today. But again, just looking at it from the surface level, lots of opportunities, I would think, for Romeo uh, to get playing time, to be developed, uh, and to get opportunities to contribute down uh, in Texas in the Western Conference. Total change of scenery for him uh, going from Boston and that storied franchise to San Antonio, who's struggling, struggling right now, and it looks like is with some of the moves yesterday and other things going on, is beginning to make a concerted effort at some sort of rebuild in San Antonio. So uh, it's going to be different following uh, Romeo. He'll have later games on, which might help people like me with busy schedules in the evening, but uh, definitely uh, his time in Boston coming to an end has come to an end. And uh, we'll have more on that coming up here in just a bit today. Let's look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments, we'll have our headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. So much to get to last night with some high school hoops tonight. Jeffersonville got a huge win last night in high school basketball that we'll talk about. Obviously, IU getting ready for their next challenge as well, right in the middle are the Hoosiers of a very tough stretch of Big Ten Conference play. And so we'll have uh, some more on that here in just a few moments as well. Also, <clears throat> excuse me, later in the show, Dylan, Wa- Dylan Wallace, he's the uh, 
sports uh, uh, editor of the Seymour Tribune. He will be with us here on this Friday program as normal to talk IU hoops and uh, the very latest getting ready for this weekend. And we do know yesterday Coach Woodson uh, announcing, or I should say IU announcing, that the five players that were suspended for the game earlier this week at Northwestern will be available for tomorrow. So we expect everybody on the roster uh, within reason to be available for IU tomorrow as they move forward uh, in this very tough stretch. But we'll talk more about IU coming up here with Dylan Wallace. Also later today, Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. He always drops by on Friday. A great time of year to have Kyle with us with the high school girls tournament underway, Silver Creek. One of the local teams that is uh, fighting for a regional this weekend, and actually the Lady Dragons on paper, if you look at records and Sagarin ratings and other things out there, they are the favorite, even though they were challenged a couple times last week in their sectional over at North Harrison, they would be the favorite on paper uh, in the Charlestown Regional. So we'll uh, we'll mention that as well. And Kyle will catch us up with some basketball stuff as well when he joins us a little bit later in the program on the boys' side. That's the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's get into our headlines a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Let's start with Romeo Langford. The Spurs appear uh, for the first time in a while to be making some moves, and they made a number of moves, a handful of them, two at least, uh, two separate deals yesterday right before the trade deadline, I think, what, at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. We learned about Romeo's trade about, oh, 2 o'clock or so in the afternoon. But Romeo going to the um, – to the Spurs, uh, also Josh Richardson from Boston going to the Spurs, and Boston gives a 2022 first-round pick. It's a protected deal. It has to be rounds one through four, and a 2028 first-round pick. So Boston, I, I think, gave up a lot in Richardson, Lankford, and a couple future first-round picks. Uh, then uh, the Celtics received Derek White, who he did have a good playoff series a year ago for San Antonio. And I think he's kind of been, from what I've read here the last day or so since the trade yesterday afternoon, kind of became a beloved player in San Antonio. A lot of people were surprised that he was moved yesterday. But uh, that's the situation. That's the trade. And if you look at the NBA standings, and that's one of the first things I did when I learned that Romeo had been trade traded, uh, in the Western Conference, out of 15 Western Conference teams, uh, as things stand today, San Antonio is in 13th place. They have uh, won 20 games. They have lost 35 games uh, in their division. They are just three and six at home. They are 11 and 18 on the road. They are nine and 17. Uh, they've not won a game in overtime, and uh, they've just lost one game in a row, so not in the middle of some bad losing streak or skid or anything, but definitely a San Antonio team that needs some love and definitely a San Antonio team that needs a rebuild. So opportunities appear to be there. Everything that I have read or heard so far indicates that Romeo would, would indicate to you that Romeo will get some playing time. Uh, so we will see how quickly he gets inserted into the lineup I've got to be honest with you, I don't follow the NBA enough to know 
uh, how quickly a player moves from team to team. Obviously, Romeo's got some work to do to transfer from Boston to San Antonio. You've got to get your living situation figured out as well. And I know that teams, when you arrive, kind of have a clearinghouse of things that players have to do to get checked medically and other things before they can begin practice. And I would have to believe that uh, even in the NBA, there, there's a period of practice time that is required or normally recommended before a player just jumps in a game activity, not knowing sets and philosophies and coaches and things of that nature. So I don't know if Romeo Langford will be on the bench in a day or two or if this is a week process. I have no idea. But obviously Romeo headed to Texas for a completely different look at NBA basketball for the rest of this season and possibly for the foreseeable future. So I think there's reason. I know we have a lot of Romeo fans that listen for his days at at New Albany and for his days at Indiana as well, but I think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful that he's in probably a better place for him. Uh, Obviously, Boston is a very unique and storied franchise with fans and attendance, and no matter where they play, they've got support on the road and lots of it. I went to a a preseason game uh, earlier this uh, this year to see Romeo, and I couldn't believe down in Orlando all of the – Celtics fans that were there. It was amazing, but I'm told that that's how it is no matter where they play at. There are just longtime diehard Celtics supporters across the country. Uh, so that will change. San Antonio, a little different, but boy, I would think the weather and just the Texas environment would be much more suited for him. Uh, and San Antonio is a really cool place. So if you're looking for a reason to head that way to see Romeo play in one of his first games with the Spurs. It's a really, really unique city and a place that I've only been to one time, but a really neat place that I that I enjoyed. So I think reason to be excited about Romeo and the opportunity that could be ahead of him here. He's not going to be on any kind of NBA contender. He's not going to make the playoffs, anything like that. But for him individually to develop and figure out what his role could look like, what his future could look like in professional basketball, and I think he has one. I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, I think he's in a good spot to figure all those things out, and then you go from there. So, Lankford to the Spurs, and I can't move on to something else without mentioning he's going to play for the great Greg Popovich, who is a region uh, of Indiana, northwestern Indiana guy. So another Hoosier connection. He goes from Boston with Brad Celtics as his coach and then president of basketball operations now to the Spurs uh, with with Pop, so you know, involved there in that franchise. So, uh, good stuff there for Romeo Langford, and uh, be interesting to see how quickly he makes his debut uh, down for the Spurs. Also, last night, big high school win for Jeffersonville. We know the Red Devils have been struggling, not because they don't have talent, but just because of everything going on. They've had a COVID pause. Their coach has been sick. Uh, They had some suspensions earlier in the year. Some of their games have been moved around. They've only had a handful of home games because of some scheduling problems. Uh, But last night, Jeff playing at home in a Hoosier Hills Conference game, and I was following it from a distance as I was at another game last night, and uh, it looked like the Red Devils and Bedford were heading to overtime. That seemed to be the situation. But a couple late baskets by Kobe Studemeyer, uh, to help get Jeff to a situation where they could go to overtime. And then Will Lovings Watts driving in the lane, scoring over a Bedford player. Uh, the Red Devils win 42, 44-42. And, uh, again, any win right now for Andrew Grant's team is big because they've got the talent and they've got the ability to play, I think, with most anyone in the state, but they've just not been together. They just not have been able to get on any kind of roll. And so now in the middle of February, we're almost there, 
is the time if this team, this Jeff team, is going to challenge Floyd Central and Jennings County and make some noise at the Seymour sectional here just three weeks or so from now, they've got to get on some kind of roll in the postseason. And again, a number of big ones coming up for the Red Devils. That opportunity is there for them to get on a roll because after the win uh, against Bedford last night, next week they go to, or actually on Saturday night, excuse me, they go to Jennings County. That will be another big test for the Red Devils. Jennings County has had a really good year, a Hoosier Hills Conference contender. 11-5 and five are the Panthers. And then next Wednesday night, the New Albany-Jeffersonville game at New Albany, rescheduled from the first of the year from very early in January because the Red Devils were just coming out of a pause due to COVID-19. That game will be played next Wednesday. Then Jeff goes to Evansville Wrights, the Madison and Castle at home, before they wrap up the regular season. It's hard to believe right now this Jeff team is 5-8. and eight. They have played 13 games as of this date today, and uh, we'll see what they can get going the rest of the way. But it all starts uh, with a victory or a string of victories, and they got one last night. They're third in a row, by the way, over a quality Bedford team at 44-42 in that contest last night. Also, tonight you've got a number of good high school basketball games in the area. We'll have the New Albany at Providence game. I think that will be a good one. Providence is tough uh, at home especially. The New Albany-Providence series is always really good. We'll have that game for you beginning at 7.15 with our pregame coverage tonight. Jeff Crawford will join me for that broadcast. Other area games, Floyd Central goes to Madison. Uh, You've heard me brag and brag this week on the Highlanders. They are absolutely rolling, so watch out, Madison. The Highlanders are just just cruising at this point of the season. Corden uh, plays at Eastern tonight. Silver Creek has a tough one. They go to Scottsburg. Crawford County is at North Harrison. Austin will be hosted by Charlestown. Lanesville at New Washington. That's a potential uh, sectional matchup here a few weeks from now. Clarksville goes to Salem. South Central is at Henryville and Crothersville at West Washington. That is a look at the Friday slate of high school basketball. And don't forget New Albany and Silver Creek. That's another rescheduled game. They play on Saturday. And because of the uh, Creek girls playing in the girls' regional Saturday morning and hopefully again back on Saturday evening, that New Albany at Silver Creek boys' game will take place in the afternoon. The freshman and JV contest will tip at 3 o'clock. The varsity will follow that around 4.30 is the plan. So some afternoon hoops coming up on Saturday. New Albany's right in the, the middle of a series of rivalries. They've got Providence tonight. Saturday, they've got Silver Creek on the in the afternoon. And then next Wednesday, obviously, Jeffersonville at home. Two of those three games have been rescheduled, so uh, it wasn't set up that way, but a really tough stretch and an interesting stretch for New Albany as they head to the backside of February uh, as well. Also, uh, update on Sean East. I'm always asked about what his recruitment looks like. I saw Jake Weingarten, a national recruiting analyst, uh, tweeted out yesterday that one of the nation's top-rated JUCO prospects, Sean East II, continues to hear from Oregon, DePaul, Missouri, Georgia, BYU, UCF at Central Florida, South Florida, Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Wichita State in 19 games at uh, John A. Logan Junior College so far this season. Sean East is averaging 21.4 points, 5.1 rebounds, 4.8 assists, and he's shooting 54.8% from the field and 39.2% 
uh, from three-point range. He is having a really, really good year. And you talk about postseason basketball coming up. Sean East, Kobe Barnes, lots of other talent on that Logan Junior College team. They have a real chance to make a run deep into the national tournament as well. That's a look at our headlines for this Friday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line. It's always open. You can send in your questions and comments at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And, of course, the Indiana Hoosiers getting back in action here very soon. Saturday afternoon, 3.30 game. They'll play at Michigan State. Another tough one in the middle of a very, very hard two-week, four-game stretch for the Hoosiers. We'll preview that contest next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Friday program, and before we get to Dylan Wallace, a reminder, the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450, sending your questions, your comments, IU, local sports, whatever it is, we'll get them on the air today. Uh, Dylan Wallace, my guest. Dylan is the editor of the Seymour Tribune, and Dylan, we are headed to the back half of February, starting next week, and when I think of uh, great times ahead and March Madness and high school basketball, you're going to be right in the epicenter of things in Seymour. I'm not even sure you understand what you've got in store for you, uh, given this is your first year with the Seymour Tribune, and you're right there at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium, one of the all-time meccas in our state. I really don't. You know, I, I was there last night, you know, Seymour Boys hosted South Ripley, and I was just talking to some people who have been around for a while there, and I'm just like, man, what's this place like, you know, when it's packed? Because I'm, I'm still waiting for, you know, the, the time to see it. Uh, you know, maybe it's a regional or something like that where it's going to be, you know, almost filled up, and I'm waiting to kind of see that environment because just, just by looking at it and all the seats they have in there, um, it looks like it'd be super awesome to see that place packed. So um, I'm definitely excited to kind of get the sectional started with the boys um, in, in, a, in a couple weeks here and then uh, see that regional at Seymour. But, yeah, you know, and, you know, girls regionals is coming up Saturday. So I got two teams left in there, too. So it's uh, it's it's very cool. You know, I, I think uh, I went to Northview High School um, earlier this week for the, the sectional championship for girls. And they played like the March Madness, like CBS theme song before, like the starting lineups were announced. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It kind of gets you in the mode like, hey. You know, basketball tournament for Indiana is coming up. March Madness, the selection show is going to be right around the corner before we know it. So definitely exciting time for basketball. Yeah, no question. And, you know, it's kind of fitting to talk about Seymour for just a moment. Obviously, if you listen to the show, people know my excitement for high school basketball in the postseason. And I've talked a lot about Floyd Central here in recent weeks, and I think they can they can make a real run and come out of Seymour. And, be back there for the regional, and who knows, maybe even the semi-state round based on how things play out. But Romeo traded to the Spurs, and boy, you think about Romeo's time at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium, uh, just some amazing crowds. And I'm not sure that we'll ever see anything like that again, at least in my lifetime. 
uh, kind of a once in a generational kind of thing. You think back to Damon Bailey and and others, and our world is changing. High school basketball attendance, I'm not sure across the board, will ever be what it was. But I have been encouraged to hear with Seymour's resurgence that they've been turning out some good crowds for their home game. And my hope is that when we get to the sectional, you've got Seymour that's improved with a better crowd and a better season. Jennings County nearby, they they can be a contender as well. Floyd Central, New Albany always has a good following. Jeff should be competitive by that point if they can stay healthy and get some games in. I, I'm just hoping that we get a, a pretty reasonable crowd on those Friday night semifinals. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Floyd Central is really good. You know, they they handled Seymour um, pretty well uh, to kind of clinch essentially their, the Hoosier Hills Conference for them. Um, Seymour's, yeah, they're having one of their best seasons in I think ten to fifteen years. So, uh, really, really exciting time. And uh, I remember when Romeo went there because I was working at the student paper at the IU, and like I remember some of my friends got tickets to go like see him because he he hadn't committed yet, but he was you know pretty close to it or something and. He, they just like I just remember seeing videos of uh, him like throwing down a dunk and just everyone in the gym is just it's packed people are going crazy and I'm just like wow that looks like insane like how is that a high school you know it just seemed like it was awesome and I've heard similar stories about when Damon Bailey you know went went and played there as well so uh, I, I hope we get um, you know at least maybe half of that kind of crowd and able to get people showing up for the the postseason coming up here because it definitely just makes it more fun to watch more enjoyable experience and more kind of cool experience for all the kids to play under um you know so so i'm really excited for all that that's coming up i uh, i promise we'll get to uh, iu hoops here in just a second with a big game coming up tomorrow but but a little bit more on seymour and Lloyd, Lloyd's scott gymnasium i was telling a buddy this yesterday one of my favorite things to do when I was coaching at New Albany before the games, of course, it's pressure packed. You're nervous. Uh, you've got a big game coming up, whether it was a sectional game against Jeff or Floyd Central or a big regional or even semi-state game, but would come out of the locker room. And, and I wasn't the only coach that did this, but we would come out of the locker room and maybe just sit in the front few rows of the gym right before the clock hit zero and they opened the doors uh, to the public, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen to watch people during those Romeo years when the doors would unlock and they would start taking tickets. People would literally come sprinting across the gym, and it wasn't just young people. It was old people that were determined to get their front row seat or determined to get up against the you know, the back row of the lower level so they had some back support or had a good view or whatever the case was. People were laying out blankets and would make their own reserve signs, which obviously didn't mean anything to the people at Seymour, but it was an absolute show. And it was one of the, you know, it's one of those things you look back on that crazy time and all that went along with that Romeo show. And it's one of the things that I always kind of smile, smile about wondering, you know, I wonder when the, when the doors unlock in future years, if there will ever be that kind and, you know, you see students, race in all the time they want to get that lower seat in the student section or be down on the floor so they can holler and scream but you don't see senior citizens or adults do it very often I've never seen it done before yeah that Romeo was was really cool he was like a phenomenon in the state you know I just I remember when he committed and just sort of it just felt like the program was completely different like wow this is like amazing that he's coming here to to IU now and uh, you know, he he was really cool. And I remember he would like set up tables after the game and just sign autographs for hours. So he was 
he was an awesome kid, and, and you know, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of happy he's, he's got traded to the Spurs with Coach Popovich. I mean, that could be something really good for him with for his development in the NBA. I know he, he had some injuries, but didn't get a you know real good shot of a run um, with the Celtics. So I'm I'm hoping this this is a good opportunity for him. And you know, one of the favorite stories I ever wrote was, um, you know, it was Romeo's first year in the NBA, and I just essentially kind of did a story about his time at IU. I talked to him. Um, you know, when he, he came to Indianapolis or Bankers, well, he used to be Bankers Life at the time, um, on the Celtics, talked to him. I talked to his dad, just kind of, you know, cause it just kind of felt like every time his name was brought up on Twitter or something, you know, the perception of him from IU fans was sort of negative. He was one and done. They lost 12 or 13 that year. They didn't make the tournament. He was supposed to be the savior and nothing kind of worked out. And just seemed like people had a negative thought toward him, you know, but I just kind of did a story on, on kind of what he did and, and you know, how, how, how he kind of opened the door for a guy like Trace Jackson Davis to, to want to come here and just, just, and he, and he just talked about how much he still loves IU and he loved his time here. So I thought it was a cool story. I wrote it for inside the hall actually. So um, yeah, that was one of my favorite things because he's, he's, in, he's an awesome dude. And um, you know, I'm always kind of rooting for him to be successful. So I'm hoping the, the Spurs move is good. Cause yeah, when he was a, a high school student at New Albany, like it was just crazy just seeing stuff on Twitter of the environments that, you know, that the crowds that he drew, like you mentioned, and, and even the willingness of him to, to stay after and sign autographs for forever wanted one was really cool. Yeah, I want to talk more Romeo with you, too, in a moment, but I've got to go to the Thornton's text line. I can always count on my friend Sean to come through with a good text. He said, the night Damon broke the all-time scoring record, Knight landed in a helicopter on the front lawn at Seymour. Good uh-huh. memories over a lifetime of Lloyd Scott. Ab- absolutely, Sean. Great Great text there. So, again, we're, we're talking Romeo memories, which you and I remember. I, I was around for Damon Bailey, but I wasn't there, and I was too too little to really grasp it or understand it. But, uh, boy, Seymour has played host to some great, great games over the years. Yeah, I'll have to ask uh, Arv Kuntz about that. He's sort of legend. The, the He's a legend. Yes, yeah. yes. I work with him still. He's still he's still writing stuff for me. He he still goes out to games and does all this stuff. So you know he's the one that kind of tells me some of these stories. I'm gonna have to ask him about uh, night landing on a helicopter and see kind of if he remembers that or if he was around for it. Because uh, yeah, he he talked to me about some of the Day- Damon Bailey games that and the crowds that they drew at Seymour. So I'm gonna definitely ask him about that. That sounds like it's a really cool, crazy thing. All right, Dylan uh, Romeo Langford at, with the Spurs it, again. I I follow very little NBA and I obviously know even less about the Spurs and the Western Conference but just from what I've read in the last even few hours it sure seems like there are opportunities for this Spurs team that is maybe rebuilding uh, for Romeo Langford to come in and have a completely different role than what he's leaving at Boston. He definitely will you know because when you look at the Celtics they kind of got an established guys Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, sort of play a similar position as Romeo, you know, they're, they're vying for a playoff spot. You know, they're, they're trying to become a contender like right now. So never really found his footing. I know he had some pretty good minutes in the playoffs last year, you know, guarding like Kevin Durant and that kind of stuff. And he's had some cool moments in the past, but never really kind of got a, a sustained role there. And, but now going to the, the Spurs, um, they just have a lot of young talent, which is what Romeo is. And, and they're, they're definitely rebuilding. You know, they got a first-time all-star point guard in DeJounte Murray. He's really, really fun to watch. Um, and I'm just excited for Romeo to kind of get in that culture as well. You know, we know what Pop has done, um, being able to kind of build up some some guys. You know, you think just think of what he did for Kawhi Leonard in his career. 
and how he took off and now is one of the best players in the world. So uh, I'm excited for Romeo to kind of get, get under his wing and be able to, and I think he'll definitely get some more playing time um, as long as he stays healthy, obviously. But I think so he's going to be able to play a lot. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what he can do on the Spurs with that young team. They just got a, they just have a lot of really young talent. They're fun to watch. Um, they're, they're a feisty team. You know, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to beat them every night. So they're always kind of fun to turn on league pass and see what they're doing. So I'm excited to kind of see Romeo in, in that kind of new environment. Cause I think he's going to get a, a lot more of a chance there and, uh, Hopefully he take, makes most of it because, uh, you know, like we said, he's he, he meant a lot to the state of Indiana when he was in high school, even when he was at, in Bloomington at IU. So always rooting for him to do well and hopefully, you know, being with Pop and the Spurs and all those young players too. You know, you don't have a lot of pressure there right now. The Spurs really aren't kind of near the play-in. Uh, I guess they're kind of near it. But, you know, I think he'll get a lot of good opportunities, so I'm excited for him. All right. Do you have any idea of the process when someone is traded? I know they're – or some medical processes they have to go through and kind of a, I guess for lack of better terms, a check-in, a welcome process for their new team and franchises. Will Romeo be playing this weekend or Monday, or is this something that it takes a while to transition there a week or so? I have no idea. I've never paid that close attention to any certain NBA team to really know. I think you have to pass a, like a physical, but, I mean, you just look at, um, you know, Domas Sabonis from the Pacers. He got traded, I think, Monday and he was playing for the Kings on Wednesday like two days later he was already playing for him like their very next game he was on the court with them so I think uh, you know as long as Romeo is healthy and and I don't think is I haven't really followed it too closely but I don't think he has any nagging injuries right now so as long as he's healthy um, he should be ready to go you know by the weekend or maybe early or, or as early as early next week to, to be able to suit up for the Spurs so I think it should be relatively soon as long as he's not hurt or anything which I don't think he is. All right, you mentioned Greg Popovich. He's a legend. He's from the Hoosier State, although the total opposite end from from you and I down here in southern Indiana right now. Yeah, but that's where I'm from, I, I know. I'm, I'm from that area. You're a region rat. Is that an appropriate yeah. term to use? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, one thing I did run across yesterday that I kind of thought, uh-oh, in researching the Spurs a little bit, is there at least earlier in the year, uh, back in October and November, there were rumors that he may be hanging it up uh, as far as an NBA coach goes at the conclusion of this season. Now, again, that stuff was from all early in the season or during the preseason time, but I think what you said, Pop's ability to develop players, just the coach and the basketball mind that he is, could be very, very good for Romeo. And uh, I hope that this isn't a little short-lived connection between the two and that he's there for at least a few seasons. Yeah, it could be. You just never know because, you know, I think Pop's a guy based on what he's done in the NBA. Uh, you know, he's never really been the one to kind of rebuild the team. He's always had those really good Spurs teams with, you know, Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and all those guys, David Robinson, you know. So um, I think, you know, kind of the rebuilding stage is, is, uh, is a little different for him. Um, he's obviously up there in age, so uh, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to stick around, but because I think he's already um, – stepped down as sort of the uh, the uh, Olympic coach, or maybe that was Coach K. I don't know if Pop was ever kind of closely involved with that, but all I know is Steve Kerr is going to be the next guy to do that. Um, but, you know, so I, I'm not sure, but I hope I hope you're right. I hope it's not he doesn't just retire after this year and he kind of sticks around a little bit longer and continues to develop these young dudes. Because they have it. I mean, if you look at the roster, just the young talent they have, um, you know, I think they have a chance that 
you know, a couple of years of development, like this core of players could be really good. And hopefully Romeo is a part of that. I think that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, no question. Dylan Wallace, he's sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He's with me on Fridays. We got to get into some IU basketball. We do know now that as of yesterday, everybody will be back and available for the Saturday game when the Hoosiers play at Michigan State. Dylan, my question is, do you think the starting lineup will go back to normal, or do you think Trey Galloway has earned a spot, and this just happens to be because of the suspensions and missing the Northwestern game for five of these guys? This just happens to be a good break where Coach Woodson says it's time to make a change in this starting lineup. Yeah, and someone asked him about that um, earlier today. I think he had a media availability this morning, and they asked. I don't think it was specifically about Trey, or maybe it was, but they just asked about him changing the starting lineup. And I think they asked, asked about Trey, and he's like, well, he's definitely earned it. Um, but he said he's going to evaluate later today in practice and kind of see where they're at. So I think he's definitely open to it now, you know, especially just with how hard Trey played on uh, Tuesday night against Northwestern. Um, it was really good, but here's the thing, and it's tough because I know there's a lot of numbers out there that show when Parker Stewart and Miller Copper on the floor, you know, that they're not as good as when, you know, Trey Galloway's on the floor, um, which, you know, we can all just kind of tell. But, you know, with, with Rob Finney still injured and not coming back, you know, for, for tomorrow, um, Trey Galloway comes off the bench and he's basically your second point guard. And if you start Galloway and Johnson together, um, does that does that kind of eliminate some of that bench spark that he provides, the bench ball handling that he provides? Now, obviously, you can just stagger your your subs, and you know you could take like X out, leave Trey in, and bring other guys in. You could stagger them just fine. Um, but Woodson seems to like to kind of go all bench, all starters, and he's done a little bit um, different with that lately. But that's my only concern: is is are you eliminating kind of the the ability that Trey has to come off the bench and be that second point guard, especially with Rob out? Now, if Rob was healthy, I would say sure, yeah, throw Trey in there, bring Rob off the bench as your other tertiary ball handler, and see how that goes. But um, that's my only little bit concerned, but I do think, you know, if, if he does change it up, it'd most likely be Trey in the starting lineup. And I think it could be a nice change of pace. Maybe it'd help him start games a little better. You're going to need to start tomorrow's game a lot better because this is the Michigan State team that just lost to Wisconsin on Tuesday, so they're not going to be in a very good mood. Um, they lost at home as well, so they're going to be ready to try to get that, trying to make up for that. And uh, they're, it's going to be at the expense of Indiana, and Indiana's going to have to try to um, you know, counter that and then be be hungry and motivated and ready to go and, and bounce back because um, it just felt like the kind of the, the mood of the season completely shifted after Tuesday to a really negative vibe. Um, just just I think fans kind of, they get, you know, that loss happens, they look at the next three games and they start to feel a little like, oh boy, like is this going to be what we've seen the last couple of years where this time of year this team starts to tail off and snowballs and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you know, fans are kind of walking on ice right now, and, and are nervous to see what this team's going to be able, how they're going to be able to respond. So, um, you know, if he changes the starting lineup, it could be a good thing. Um, if he sticks it, if he keeps it the same, um, you know, I just think whenever Trey Galloway comes to the game, he's going to provide a good minutes for Indiana. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, big game tomorrow, and you just hope they're. They're going to play hard and be able to respond to some of the adversity they they faced earlier in the week. No, no question. Dylan Wallace is my guest. Dylan, I think that we're going to look back on this Northwestern game and these suspensions as a turning point, and this is either going to be an opportunity for this team to fully buy into Coach Woodson and build upon some of the successes that they've had this year and make the NCAA tournament and finish the conference maybe stronger than what we thought they could or I think we will look back a couple weeks from now as we are approaching the end of the month in the Big Ten tournament in early March and say, 
boy, what a turning point it was. IU made some real strides this season. IU had some big wins. IU got on a little stretch there in January. And then the suspensions and maybe some of the goofiness took this team down from what their capabilities could have been in year one under Coach Woodson. Yeah, I hope it's not the latter um, because we've seen that story uh, too many times, just how the season is kind of bottomed out in February, heading into March, heading toward tournament time. Um, you know, and, and I hope, you know, by all accounts, I feel like the guys in this team, you know, I think I think they like playing with each other. I think they realize, hey, you know, we, we have a real chance to, you know, bring this program back to the tournament that hasn't happened in, you know, since 2016. Um, I think they're motivated and that, and I think Woodson's got it under control. And I think the coaching staff he has, you know, they know what they're doing. And, and I, I just feel like I have a, I, I just feel like I have a little bit more level of trust with this coaching staff and some of these guys on the roster than maybe I did in the past. And that's why I'm hoping I'm leaning a little bit more toward, Hey, maybe they're going to bounce back. And, you know, they, they, you know, they could lose Saturday and still be just fine. You know, Michigan state's, a hard place to play. Um, they're, they're a tough team defensively to, to score against. Um, but as long as Indiana kind of plays hard and you can you can follow that up with with a good showing at home against Wisconsin, you know you just never know what's going to happen um, in conference play. Um, so hopefully they're able to respond and, and kind of bounce back. And hopefully we see on the floor we, we see this team playing together. We see them playing with with you know some fire to them and and, and they're trying to prove to themselves, hey, you know Tuesday was was a mistake. You know, we learn from it, and we're ready to get on with the season. We're ready to to continue the trend and, and that path that we were on earlier, and that's that's going back to the tournament. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's it's for the positive. You know, we don't we don't want to see what happens. Uh, we don't want to see any negativity again uh, in in February and March because man, you know, it's it's going to be a fun March Madness. I feel like all these a lot of teams are exciting to watch this season. A lot of there's no like clear cut you know best team yet. You know, so I'm, I'm excited. And I hope and you hope it is a part of it. You know, you really want to see that them them be able to get back in it, that household name back back in the big dance. So uh, we're hoping it's a positive thing. And um, I guess the first steps of finding that out will be tomorrow and just kind of how they come out and how they play. All right. Uh, one other thing, Big Ten is crazy. Purdue uh, lost last night and uh, they were defeated 82-58 uh, was the final score in that contest. I didn't see that coming, Dylan. So I didn't see it that bad, but I saw when I looked at the game and I thought Michigan was at home against Purdue, I'm like, okay, you know, I wouldn't be necessarily surprised if Michigan was able to like pull out a win just because they're at home. The crowd will probably be pretty good. Um, and, you know, just watching the game, just, just the way they were able to pull away and completely dominate that second half, you're just like, wow. I mean, it was sort of like, you know, it's sort of like when Michigan played Indiana and Dickinson's hitting a bunch of threes. And you're like, wow, where did this come from? And, and all their other guys are scoring and looking really good. And you're like, hey, this is the Michigan team that we thought was going to be who they were, like why they were ranked, you know, number four in the preseason or whatever. And they kind of showed that again uh, yesterday, just completely dominating Purdue. Um, and it was just, it was, it was kind of, it was crazy to watch. And, um, you know, Purdue's got this really weird thing now. They played on four Thursdays this season. And they're one and three, and the three losses have been Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, and all three of those teams like obviously stormed the court after they beat Purdue. So they've had like three court stormings against them, three tough losses on Thursday nights. Um, so that was just kind of a weird stat I saw on on uh, Twitter last night. But yeah, Michigan looked really good, and, and who knows? Maybe this is a turning point for Michigan. Maybe they're going to start to make a, a bit of a run toward the end of February and into March. You know, this is this is this is just how the Big Ten goes, man. You just so many things can happen, and so many teams gain momentum at different times. And uh, 
like we said, hopefully Indiana's going to get on the right track to some of that momentum um, to kind of get back into it. Because, hey, there's still a game above 500 in the conference. They're still, what, 16-7 and seven overall. So they're still on a really, really good track to get to the tournament. But, yeah, Michigan looked really, really good last night. Um, and, and their big thing has been consistency, you know. Like, will they turn around and, and struggle against, like, a Maryland or someone? I don't know. You know, if, if they can keep up what they did last night, uh, they're going to be another problem to deal with uh, heading into March as well. Yeah, absolutely. Dylan Wallace, sports editor, Seymour Tribune. Dylan, great segment. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, dreaming ahead to the month of March in Seymour. <laughs> Romeo Langford to the Spurs. And uh, IU getting set for a big one at Michigan State tomorrow. We appreciate you and talk to you next week. Yep, of course. This is fun. Thank you. All right, Dylan Wallace with me on Friday. Yeah, Big Ten Conference is really good, mostly. Uh, and just I, I love following the conference. You don't ever know what you're going to get. Outside of Nebraska, um, it's it's pretty pretty good basketball, and you could be surprised on any given night what the result is. And one other thought here, going to commercial break, um, college hoops this season has been good. I've watched as much college hoops this year. Other teams – outside of IU and the Big Ten conferences I have in a while. You know, you've got Duke and Gonzaga and Kansas and others that are good. There are good freshmen. There are good upperclassmen. Uh, Purdue in the Big Ten conference is good. As Dylan mentioned, I think Michigan is starting to come alive, and I don't know that they'll be the team we thought they would coming into the year, but I think they're going to have a good close to the season. Where's IU going to finish? I think we'll find out a lot tomorrow and over these next three games, a really tough and big stretch for this team before things come back down to, to normalcy just a little bit. Uh, but in the Big Ten, night in, night out, you never know what's going to happen. We'll head to a break. Kyle Deddenrip is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Friday program. A really quick chat coming up with Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, who's with us Fridays here on the show. Uh, Kyle, postseason basketball's here on the girls' side. We're already going into the regional weekend, and the regional weekend, boys or girls, it doesn't matter. It's my favorite le- level of the tournament because you get those two-game opportunities in one day. It's great for fans where you get to see two semifinals and a championship game. And I think down here in southern Indiana, we're kind of – Wondering if Silver Creek can't make another run here to Indianapolis after winning a tough sectional earlier this week. Yeah, that'd be. I, I covered up here uh, Tri West, which uh, you know could be a team that you know could they could see each other potentially down the road. So, yeah, it looks like a it could be a kind of a repeat of last year again, where where uh, those teams meet in the next round. But I know both teams have uh, you know still have to get through a couple games tomorrow and. You know, I think both boys and girls side, sometimes we see you know, strange things happen in the regional. I think that early game is a little bit different than, than we see it at other points in the tournament, other than maybe the state finals if you're a, a small school playing the early games. But, uh, you know, weird things tend to happen, I think, in regional play, so you never want to look too far down the road. Kyle Nedrip, my guest. Any other storylines you'll be watching statewide? Anything stand out to you about Saturday's girls' uh, tournament? 
Well, I'll be over at Decatur Central, which is, uh, well, North Central is probably considered the favorite there. And, um, you know, but they have to get through Mooresville, traditional power. And I think one of the storylines there is you have, you know, so many coaches who have been around forever. You know, Stan Benge at Ben Davis, of course, who, you know, gosh, probably close to 700 wins at this point. Uh, Julie Shelton's been at Mount Vernon for a long time. Deanne Ramey at North Central and, and Mark Hurt at, uh, Mooresville. I'm not sure there's a regional with as many years of experience as that one. Uh, they probably wouldn't want me to say how many years of experience total, but um, but that should be a really good one. Um, you know, there's there's I think the the Marion Regional where Noblesville plays Homestead. That might be the biggest game of the day. Uh, the winner of that I think will probably be you consider probably the favorite maybe to win the whole thing uh, out of that first game early tomorrow up at Marion. So. You know, those are a couple of them in 4A, I think. And, and you know, as you go down, I'm just my curiosity is piqued by, you know, Tri-West. And after watching them play the other night, they're very balanced uh, for, a, for a 3A team. And, you know, five seniors who played together for a long time. So they play Chittard tomorrow and then probably will play Indian Creek in the, in the final uh, over there at Greencastle. So uh, I think they're a team that could, you know, if they can get through this and then maybe get another shot at Silver Creek. Uh, like they did last year, maybe have a chance to uh, to win the whole thing. Kyle, we're, we're short on time. There's a lot of things I'd like to bring up, but uh, one other girls basketball topic. It's not immediately local, but I've got a feeling that local schools, New Albany, Jeff Floyd Central especially, are tired of hearing about Bedford North Lawrence. They won their 11th consecutive 4A sectional, which is basically the Hoosier Hills Conference in the field minus Columbus East. That That is just unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you really don't see that uh, happen uh, anymore. It's kind of like Columbus East in football for all those years, you know, down in that area, uh, dominating year in and year out. But, you know, I know, you know, Jeff Allen and, you know, he, he uh, has done a great job there coaching his own daughters and uh, some of those teams. And, you know, they just have that tradition that kind of, you know, repeats itself year in and year out. And, and, you know, there's a lot of programs like that, but they've been one of the most consistently strong uh, over a pretty long period of time here. And I think he's been there, gosh, probably seven or eight, nine years now uh, after Damon Bailey was there. And Kurt Galewski, who was there before him as the uh, the Butler coach now. So, you know, obviously a really good run of tradition. I know the, you know, the people kind of reflect on the boys program there, obviously with Damon Bailey, but man, the girls have been good for a long time. All right, Kyle, really quick, Indiana, Indiana All-Stars, you had a great piece this week kind of previewing what the team could look like. C.J. Gunn of Lawrence North, you have him as basically a lock probably on the all-star roster this year. No real Southern Indiana rep, uh, representation is guaranteed this year, but Logan McIntyre of North Harrison and obviously Brandon Northern of Silver Creek, both of those guys could be contenders as well. Uh, thoughts on uh, the all-stars as a whole? Is this a group when the regular season ends that can make some noise in the two-game series against Kentucky? Yeah, my biggest takeaway really, and I know we don't have much time, is really I think you can get to 10 pretty quickly, and that, that's a pretty solid uh, lock list or you know close to it. And like you mentioned, there's not a ton of uh, Southern Indiana kids. I think Brandon Northern, and then uh, you know a couple of kids at Jeffersonville, although they have a down year and some in and out of the lineup and things like that, and then Logan McIntyre, I think. But once you get to those final three spots, this is a year where you're really low on post – uh, presence. So, you know, you may have a kid on there who ends up, you know, making the team. And I, I probably 
could have slid Jeffrey Simmons from Fisher's uh, up closer to maybe being a lock, but you know, it's just one of those years where, and he's six, six and, and, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, been a really good player for four years there. So, you know, guys with, who have some size and, and can play on the interior, that's what Mike Broughton's going to be looking for a lot uh, this year. Cause I think those 10 players are all pretty solid uh, that I put on the lock or near lock list, but then you're starting to really get into some bubble guys, and there's a long list there. It just depends what you're looking for. Absolutely. Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, have a great weekend. Enjoy girls' regionals, and we'll talk with you next week. Thanks, Matt. New Albany at Providence tonight, 7.15, the airtime. Catch us then, and I'm back with you Monday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.